we always want more, but yep. more is an enemy. And we need to kind of be okay with embracing that idea is because more is great when it's an organic overflow or an organic outcome of an incredibly healthy team that's producing healthy results. Our visionary capacity, we should plan for the more, but we don't build it. We don't chase it. It's when we chase it is when we cause burnout for us. It's when we cause burnout for our teams and we start to get off focus. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our leadership, develop our teams and scale our business in a way that allows us to get our products and services out to the world yet still remain profitable? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner, your host. On today's episode, we have Michael King. He is the founder and CEO of Teams.Coach and is a highly sought after executive and business leadership coach. He helps business leaders clarify and execute at high levels through his proprietary teams methodology to develop measurable business growth and company-wide collaboration. We talk a lot about his teams methodology, about engagement and feedback within our teams. If you own a business that has a team, which I know many of you do, you're definitely going to love this episode. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Michael King. Have you ever tried online marketing before and weren't sure if it was working? Maybe your rep talked about all the impressive features and stats and said things were going great, but you didn't know how all that tied into raw new policies written. Well, that's not the case with DirectClicks. DirectClicks is the premier Google ads and SEO option exclusively for State Farm agents. Why? They're 100% resource-oriented with an exclusivity guarantee. Every review call you have with your account manager focuses on what really matters to your business, and that's leads and call-ins received. Everything will get broken down to cost per lead received. By investing with direct clicks, you're going to free up time and energy to focus on what's most important in your agency and doing what it is you do best. This will be the best investment you make for your team by spending confidently and scaling your agency today with exclusive online marketing partner, DirectClicks. Visit us at directclicksinc.com. Ambition is the first step towards success. It's time to level up your agency. And Coach P Consulting will help you do just that by using the same strategies he used to sell over 700 life insurance policies in 2021 alone. Now, this is not your regular one and done type coaching. You'll get personalized coaching two days a week, every week of the month, and you'll get a live look behind the scenes of his team training and an office that's performing at the highest level. There's a reason Coach P Consulting is the fastest growing coaching company for insurance agency owners in the country. Coach P will train your team alongside his own and show you the exact steps they're taking to achieve Chairman Circle, Exotic Travel, and Multi-Line Presence Club and be one of the few agents to be selected to have a third office. So whether your goal is to be at the top of your local market or amongst the best in the country, this training will give you the strategies and the tactics to get there. For just $250 a month, you'll get high-level coaching each week from someone who is already getting it done at that level, and his strategies work, and it's time to put them to work for you. Sign up at coachpeakconsulting.com and get your first full month for free when you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Michael King, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Bradley. 
We're excited to have you. So we always start with background and origin story. I loved hearing the story about how people got to where they are today. So why don't you just take a couple minutes because I think your story is one that's really fascinating. Yeah, well, I've been coaching leaders for a couple of decades now and I started off in the pastoral world. Actually, before that, I actually started off as a Christian recording artist in that kind of space. Became a music director, worship pastor in a church, went to Bible college, all that stuff, and then eventually became an executive pastor for the last close to the last couple of decades of my career in full-time ministry and experienced great things, great success. I think anytime that you get the opportunity to experience transformation firsthand, there's something inspiring about that. So that's what I love about working with church and church leaders as well. Somewhere in that whole space, I started to coach to influence leaders outside of the local church. And I decided I was going to dig a little bit deeper into that. I felt like a couple of the leaders that I was working with, their pedigree was just significantly higher than mine that made me feel incredibly insecure. So I dove back in and went and got my master's in executive coaching and organizational leadership. I wasn't necessarily anticipating that I was going to take a dive outside of the church, like to transition out, but just through seasons of just self-awareness as far as who I am as a leader and just finding my pace in that. At the end of 2017, I transitioned out of full-time ministry, went, finished out my master's, Found somewhere in there that I was swimming around as a car salesman for Toyota for a little bit, just to kind of like bridge the gap, was coaching church leaders with an organization. And then all of a sudden, my company started in 2018, and we haven't really looked back since. And it's been a fantastic journey. That's awesome. Well, along that way in that journey, I think there are things that we either learn or we earned, right? We either learn them from someone else or we earned them through our own experience. You've developed some philosophies, principles, and in particular, a methodology you call teams. Once you dive into that, like where did that begin? And so before you kind of get into the actual methodology itself, like where were the inputs, where were the experiences you had that led you to develop that methodology of teams? I think just to kind of reverse engineer this, and so keep in mind, I've been involved in creative community for a long time. So Donald Miller's story brand and telling a great compelling stories, elevating people to the places of being heroes. Those are all really big parts of the way that I view the world. And I think that's pretty significant. So whoever tells the best story, they win. But who tells the best story? It's always the best teams. I can go back and think about growing up in the 90s and the Chicago Bulls dominant in Chicago right on, right? So yeah, I'm a big basketball. Thing, but, People listen to podcasts know that I love hoops. We love hoops. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. man. I've watched, and, uh, I've watched The Last Dance way too many times, okay? <laughs> I love it. But within that, you think about this. I mean, even just thinking back to the amazing stories that come out of these type of teams. I mean, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, whatever it is, it's like, man, there's great stories there. But the people that lead these teams, there's something really unique about a senior leader, a C-level leader that leads a fantastic team. And it's not a coincidence. These leaders are people that are usually high-level visionaries. They lead with a certain level of transparency and authenticity, approachability, likability, teachability off the charts, and willing to embrace innovation and ingenuity. And they know when to say no to things. But somewhere in the middle of that, really discovered that life exists at the team's level. So before we kind of go into the whole team's methodology, the thing that 
really kind of caught me. And the reason why I dove into this thing specifically was because I've just simply had enough unhealthy team experiences that made me kind of wonder whether I was the issue. And so that was kind of part of my self-discovery on that. Had one too many unhealthy 360 degree reviews and the church world can be a little bit complicated when it comes to how we get our feedback mechanisms and who the senior leaders are and all these things. And I was in senior leadership. So I just decided, you know what, because of that pain point, I think that I want to develop my team's methodology around building teams that have high levels of emotional intelligence and actually get this built into organizational value. And so that's the long answer to your short question, but that's probably the superpower of our team's methodology is the ability for us to be able to give real, honest, transparent, quick feedback that gives a good, we find a good pulse in the team. And we really try to help senior leaders be more in tune with what's actually happening on the team so they can make real decisions in real time. That's pretty important to me. Yeah, I do. Obviously, I'm going to have you unpack the team's methodology in just a second. But there's a couple of things I want to mention. Feel free to push back on me because I actually love a really good debate. I have yeah, made it well known. I love Donald Miller's work. I think he's a great follow on social media. I think he does a lot of really good things. His book, Building a Story Brand, is fantastic. His book title, Business Made Simple, I do not agree with. Business is anything but simple. Two reasons. One, you're solving problems. And two, you're dealing with highly complex people in our businesses as leaders and people. It's not easy. I actually think business is hard and gets harder the higher that you want to grow. That's my philosophy. That said, though, again, I love Donald Miller's work on that. I think it sells a lot of books. Business made simple. I think it's actually really, really hard. You mentioned around like feedback. Okay. And so before we get into it, I do want to ask you, because in preparation for this, I think that I saw you talk about unhealthy 360 reviews. And I really just kind of want to go a level up from 360 reviews into feedback. Okay. Both giving and receiving feedback. Early in my career, I'm not going to even say that I even get this right today, but certainly early in my career, my emotions would wane. I'm a highly competitive person. I want to win. I want to win in sports. I want to win in business. And so therefore, when things were not going the way that we wanted to, revenue was really down for a month. We missed our goals the last month. Well, when somebody was missing their goals, like I would be highly emotionally charged in a negative sense, right? And so then I would go back and forth in this spectrum of like way too hard on somebody and then not hold them accountable at all. Right. I just would kind of ghost them and not talk to them. And so I would just kind of go back and forth. And I never found that kind of sweet spot or that perfect place of being able to be transparent, et cetera, early in my career. So when we talk about feedback, what are the things that you believe in regards to that? The things that I believe is I, I believe the things that we talk about the most are the things that people think we care about. And whether that's true or not, or whether you're a leader that's listening to this and you have feedback mechanisms in place within your team, everybody's always watching and everybody's always listening and everybody's always coming to a decision as far as your level of leadership or the things that you value, the things that are most important to you. But here's the thing is that when it comes to a team member being on your team, the thing that they want to know is whether they're on your radar or not. Do you know how I'm performing? Do you know how I care? Do you know how I feel? Because at the end of the day, the only thing that people really remember is how we make them feel. Do you agree with that? Yeah. For right. Sure. So for us, I think I'm going to give you just kind of like, we came up with this formula. We move people through, especially senior leaders that 
have your type of temperament, which I love that. You're probably like a one on the Enneagram. Is that kind of who you are? Three. You're a three? Okay. Totally got that wrong. It's horrible. Um, but I'm a with, three. I'm going to get this wrong because I know more a little bit, but we're about Colby than I do Enneagram. But I'm a three wing seven, maybe. Your wings are either to the left or to the right of your, so you're probably a three wing two or a three wing four. But it'd be fascinating to dive into that. But with that, so for example, like for you, even in your early stages of leadership, kind of getting into that, it wasn't necessarily that you didn't care. It's not like you're intentionally ghosting. It was just because of the pace at which you lead and the competitive nature of how you're built. Mm-hmm. You were just focusing on the shiny objects and the things that get your attention. Mm-hmm. So if I come alongside of you as an executive coach and I give you an incredibly simple thing that says, hey, Bradley, you're averaging a 5.7 score this week when it comes to just the emotional engagement of your team. And so you get that feedback in real time every single week, simple questions, two to three questions every single week, you know, on a scale one to 10, how do you feel like you're engaging with your senior leader? Is there anything that needs to come to their attention? And your team knows that you're looking at this. And so again, that's just kind of like a simple shiny object that we put into the hands of our senior leaders so they can actually have a pulse on it because they don't have the time to sometimes actually get into Because whether we like it or not, they're what I call extra grace receiver type team members. They just require a little bit more. And I can speak to that because I think I probably was one of them at one point in time being a team member, whether your level of security or insecurity or whatnot. But some employees, they just need a little bit more. For you to know that, that's a game changer. And we see that. We see that in real time. And we've seen organizations literally shift their performance initiatives and their performance goals and objectives significantly just by getting accurate data in real time. How do you define culture to you? Culture is everything that we experience, how things feel, how things look, the behavior of a team, the value systems within it, and how we treat each other. It really is all encompassing. Some people would tell me that, and I've had this debate before about whether you can actually measure culture or not. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt that you can measure culture. You can put a KPI on that. You can put some goals into place that you can measure culture. But where you can't measure culture is when you're not building anything intentionally. If you're allowing your culture just to kind of create itself instead of you as a visionary leader to steer culture and for you to be inspiring it and building it intentionally according to the things that are most important to you as a senior leader, then your culture is going to build you. And that's a different conversation. So with that... There's got to be a high level of emotional intelligence of the like almost humility of the leader to be able to look him or herself in the mirror and be able to see your own blind spots, so to speak. And so that you can see, because how you are oftentimes coming across is not usually what you intend. I mean, sometimes it is. Okay. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it is when I'm coaching basketball and I'm yelling at the boys, like I'm coming across a certain way to get there. (laughs) Come on now. It's fifth grade little boys. So it's a little bit different, but what are some things that we can do to then receive feedback openly from our teams so that they can tell us in a way that makes us say like, okay, wow, I didn't realize I was doing that. So I can course correct to build a culture that I want. Does this make sense? Yeah. I was going to give you this formula before. So mass plus communication times cadence equals catalytic growth opportunities or catalyst for change. So mass plus communication, content, et cetera, times cadence equals opportunities for change. And what I will tell you this is that every senior leader that has that aha moment, and 
I was just in an executive coaching session with a champion earlier today. The guy's just absolutely brilliant. And what I love about him is level of just bravery when it comes to exploring new things that might be blind spots for him when it comes to his own personal temperament, his emotional intelligence, because he's a driver. He's incredibly successful. I mean, he's one of the most successful people I've ever met in my life running a Fortune 500 company. So for him to be able to ask those hard questions, but it was when he started the process of actually caring about this, the first three to six months were probably some of the hardest months of his life. Because he had to get to a place to where he was like going, you know what, I don't really have these feedback mechanisms in place on my team. I don't know necessarily why I don't have them in place. I know why he didn't have them there in the first place. But because when that feedback starts to come in, all of a sudden, like you're no longer internally elevated to the place that you thought you were. Sometimes we like to live in that happy space of feeling like, okay, the KPIs are telling us that our organizations are successful. We're moving enough units. Our sales, our top line revenue is off the charts. But at the end of the day, our teams are miserable and our retention numbers are low. So within that situation there, that first three to six months, man, that was horrible for him. And I felt kind of bad for him, but he stuck with it. And that was where he became my hero is that Mm -hmm. through that process, he stuck through it. And so the answer to your question is getting through that first three to six months when you haven't created any type of foundational trust when it comes to a feedback mechanism on your team. Because here's the thing is that your team is going to be afraid for the first two to three months while they're giving you feedback. Because number one is they're speculative and why you haven't asked for this in the first place. And then they're like going, okay, well, how is he or she going to respond as my senior leader when they find out like that I actually have some things that I want to say? Right. So anyway, roundabout was just our cadence comes with the team's methodology and through engagement. You'll hear me talk about these two big E's a lot, empowerment and engagement. But when it comes to engagement, the thing is a leader who's going to lead in transparency and in vulnerability. And when I say transparency, I'm not saying that a leader needs to come and like open up everything for everybody to see, but context is everything. So when a leader can lead strongly and make sure that everybody knows the context, And they create strong cadences. So the cadence here is the key. Every single week in this leader's life, they ask important questions and then they circle back. So they've prioritized that they've put into their leadership infrastructure for everybody that's in their executive team and also within their senior leadership to making sure that they're taking time to ask questions weekly and respond appropriately. One thing I want to say there, I think that actually resonated with me is that a lot of things you said did, but that at the very end, you said he has made the commitment to prioritize it and be intentional. So he's calendared it and he's communicated it, right? So then we'll, we'll often ask us, okay, what's your next right thing to be doing? And then what do you need to calendar and what do you need to communicate? And from that leader's case, I totally agree with that, is that he has made it a part of his week now to be able to install it, not just this idea theoretical thing that sounds good while he's talking to you. He's now actually done something with it so that it's a regular part of his cadence, as you said, which I really like. Yes, I love that. And also the senior leader that embraces the idea that the word more, we always want more, but more is an enemy. And we need to kind of be okay with embracing that idea is because more is great when it's an organic overflow or an organic outcome of an incredibly healthy team that's producing healthy results. Our visionary capacity, we should plan for the more, but we don't build it. We don't chase it. 
it's when we chase it is when we cause burnout for us. It's when we cause burnout for our teams and we start to get off focus. It comes back to that moment when you told me at the very beginning of this interview, when you're telling me it's like sometimes your temperament was a little bit aggressive. Maybe you just didn't really necessarily know how you were coming across when sales weren't up, top line revenue wasn't where it needed to be, et cetera. It's when we want more that things get a little bit wonky. And yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I didn't know how I was coming across. And at the time, I just didn't care. You know, I thought this is my right and my authority to come across this way. Obviously, it was not good. All right, let's dive into the team's methodology. So break that apart for us. What does the acronym stand for? And then what are some key takeaways? Yeah, absolutely. So there's two different applications of the team's methodology. It can be as simple as a senior leader taking in this team's worksheet into their weekly meeting and using it almost as like an operational system document for project management, team productivity. So, or it can be your own personal accountability tool, which is what we use in executive coaching. So T stands for target, identifying the one simple target that you're going to accomplish this week. E stands for engagement. How am I engaging with myself? How am I engaging with my team? And how am I engaging with my direct report? In some cases, we had a fourth question in there. How am I engaging with my audience? And measuring these things week to week. A stands for action. What's the one thing that I'm committed to do this week to accomplish my goal, to accomplish the target, the T? And then momentum. We, we talk about momentum a little bit differently because it's, again, you've heard me talk about how more is kind of the enemy. More and momentum, they've become polar opposites in the spectrum of progress because I think some leaders think along the lines of like, okay, what more can I do? What more can I buy? What type of marketing program? What type of training can I add? What type of employee do I need to add on to my team in order for me to get to momentum? That's really not it. You as a leader, as long as you know where you're going and you're heading in the right direction, we spend a significant amount of time helping you identify the things that are actually slowing you down and then giving you the skill set and empowering you in a way that you can actually identify and remove those things so you can go faster. That's where momentum kicks into play. S stands for synergy. So synergy is magic. When all the things are in the right place at the right time, doing the right things, you have the right people on the bus, as Jim Collins would say, and you're experiencing some great wins. So as an executive coach, I'd come to you and talk about synergy and say, okay, what is the one thing that you're going to do this week to celebrate your micro and massive wins? Are you recognizing them? A lot of leaders, they don't really understand that same thing that keeps people away from like celebrating their wins is the exact same thing that keeps leaders away from evaluating their successes or failures as a leader. So yeah. it's like, it's intentionality, building it in. Yeah. We talk about MIT, the most important thing you can do for your team and for yourself and for your business. And I think the most important thing you can do for yourself mm-hmm. is to protect your confidence. And the way you got to do that, you got to get in the habit of scanning for wins. Huge. I think it's not just for you, but it's for your team too. It goes back to this idea of that business is that hard. And especially right now, like we've come out of COVID. Now we've got the Ukrainian war. Like there's just a lot going on. Yeah. And it's so easy to get into the, not the negativity per se, but just the, I'm not so sure if I feel like I'm winning all the time. I mean, I was talking to, if I said his name on here, a lot of people know him, incredibly successful business owner. I wasn't coaching him. We were just having a conversation at the top of his game. And he was like, man. It's been a rough couple of weeks, been a rough couple of weeks. And I think that sometimes there's this veil that we kind of put up because of just the success that we're having in sales numbers. But life is more than just that. And I love the word synergy that you use there. Do people recognize your agency brand? More importantly, do people care about your brand? 
At Relevant Marketing Solutions, we partner with you to clarify your message and deliver it through multiple marketing channels, creating a brand that inspires. With over 10 years experience working with insurance agencies, our team can help your agency not only get noticed, but start cultivating brand champions. From creating a logo to putting it on a coffee mug, we are your one-stop shop for all things marketing. We can even produce a video of you drinking out of your cool new mug. Visit us at relevantadvantage.com to learn more. And if you're a State Farm agent, you can also find us at sfagentpromos.com and be sure to enter Club Capital at checkout for a special discount. That's Club Capital, lowercase and no spaces at checkout for a special discount. Relevant Marketing Solutions, helping you cultivate brand champions. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue, increase your bottom line and better manage your taxes? Club Capital is here to help. Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agents in the country, providing monthly accounting, tax strategy, and CFO services. Way more than bookkeeping and your everyday run-of-the-mill tax prep, Club Capital is focused on providing financial and tax advisory services that help you plan and forecast your agency's performance. Their financial dashboards and agency forecasting tools help you better understand your agency's historical performance, create and measure future targets, and see how your agency compares to your peers around the country. Imagine what it would be like to understand the impact to your bottom line when deciding to hire a new employee or forecast the impact rate changes or commission rates will have on your business. With over $200 million in tracked annual revenue and $140 million in tracked annual expenses, Club Capital has the data and the team to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. They will help you turn that back office stress into the backbone of your agency's success by giving you the tools to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book a solution overview with one of our business consultants. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. Where do you see probably the biggest area, the biggest place that people could grow the most inside of your methodology? Man, I think the thing that gives us the biggest result is around that engagement factor around the E area. And you're talking about Donald Miller's book, uh, Business Made Simple, which is hilarious, right? Because it isn't simple. It's incredibly complicated, but you can make things a little bit less complicated by increasing your engagement with your team or even just increasing your engagement with just your own personal, what are you personally finding your identity in? Are you a healthy leader or are you chasing things that are incredibly destructive and unhealthy? Because those things are going to manifest themselves somewhere in your leadership spectrum, some way, shape or form. So I think, again, that engagement section of that is just absolutely huge. I hope that answered your question on that. There's multiple different ways that we think about that. No, I think that's good. What are a couple things around engagement that we can take away that we could either have a cadence around weekly or say monthly that somebody could say, oh, okay, that's really easy. I could begin to do that right away. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things is just committing to a cadence of engagement. Now, when I talk about engagement too, by the way, here's the thing that I think a lot of people miss out on is that for me to engage with you, I need to be able to see myself in your story in some sort of way. And so leaders who aren't willing to open up and be somewhat approachable and have conversations that aren't necessarily planned, some of the best decisions that I've ever made are the ones that are happening right out here in this hallway in my office building here with my team. So again, it's just one of those things of like, does your team actually see themselves in your story? Do they understand you? Do they understand your motivations? I think that's why I like the Enneagram so much 
is that, and we use this to maximize engagements because when everybody on the team understands everybody else's motivation behind the why they make certain decisions, boy, really meaningful conversations come out of that. And so I think that's one helpful thing, asking meaningful questions and then also asking questions that aren't necessarily just completely work-related all the time, right? Like one of the questions that I asked just one of my team members earlier today took him out to lunch and, and I said, in the 90s, which was your favorite boy band? Because <laughs> I'm like, I can almost tell you everything I need to know by how you would answer that question. But he started yeah. opening up and telling me so many other things about who he is and the things that he loves. And if I know what he loves, man, that's gold for me as a leader. Yeah, I think it started with your intentionality to take him to lunch and then to actually think of a question that was going to spur. I mean, even if you thought about it at the spur of the moment, but it would be a catalyst for you to get to know them at a different level, as opposed to let's talk about your performance and let's talk about this. And there's a time and a place for all of those things, which I do want to ask you about. So when it comes to, let's just call them performance reviews, what are maybe a couple of things whenever we are giving and receiving, but in my case, I'm referring to specifically giving a feedback that mm -hmm. we can do to make those performance evaluations something that is positive, both for us as the leader and for our teams. Well, I do want to let you know like that even in the middle of all this and being able to work with high-level performing teams, because of my temperament, and my team calls me out on this all the time, is because like when I got my business face on, I'm going to walk into the room and it's like, it's really, really, really hard for me to snap out of that mode, right? It's like, I'm there, I'm going to come right to you and we're going to talk specifically about this, a specific goal that we're doing or a product that we're working on. So I've had to work on these things personally, which is why they're important to me is because I've recognized the results that they do produce, right? So when it comes to timing of feedback and the cadence, I think it's not necessarily like when is the appropriate time. It's coming to the realization that if you're only using an opportunity once or twice a year to get valuable feedback, you're not really trying to accomplish anything. You're just checking a list. And the faster that you can get to a place in which you've embraced that reality and then finding something to where you're able to get a little bit more consistent feedback, consistency and cadence really amplifies the trust in an organization off the charts. And I love how Patrick Lencioni identifies the five dysfunctions of the team. He talks about this singular, big trust being a big foundational element within a team. So whatever you can do to feed that is fantastic. I think that's helpful. And then making sure that you're asking, you're turning on the blinker, you're getting feedback a little bit more than just two times a year. The other thing I will share with you is this, though, is that when it comes to just getting this consistent feedback, is I call this, I'm going to use this for a term, but I call it a gotcha culture. And I see this all the time. And I think whatever you can do to battle gotcha culture, it's going to improve your level of engagement. So let me define this thing that I call gotcha culture. It's when you have expectations for a certain level of performance or outcomes from a team member, and they have zero idea that they're doing anything wrong until you point it out to them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're only using your training and your teachable moments to give review and to give feedback when somebody's failing, you're the one that's failing. It's not your team member. So I think that's an important thing for us to chat about. Yeah. And I think that you're right. So whenever I hear you say that, thinking about the anxiety that somebody may have walking into a performance of evaluation because they don't know what you're going to say versus it's clear on the front end what winning looks like. And they know walking into that, whether they've won and by how much 
or if they lost or not performing as well and by how much. And so therefore, they're prepared either way. So I think where the biggest disconnect, as you said, was they're operating off of what they think is a scoreboard or scorecard. And then you're operating as a leader off these different set of parameters that they don't know about. And then they come in and it's like, I gotcha. See, I was measuring you on these things and you didn't know that. Is that basically what you're saying? Yeah, that's worded really well. And one of the things too, that you'll notice too about like, especially 2022, now we're, now we're seeing, like you said, we're kind of in this post COVID, hopefully post COVID world anyway. And a lot of things are going on. Retention and keeping the right team members on your team, as far as like how you protect them and making sure that you keep the great team members, high level performers, but you're also attracting the right talent. But you are going to have this reality, whether you like it or not, as we shift our organizations, as we understand how to operate differently in a world that now all of a sudden is very, like there's dualities of remote culture, digital culture, brick and mortar culture, like all these things are happening. You're going to have these moments in which you're going to realize that the team members that you have on your team aren't necessarily the ones that you want, but they have some skill sets that you don't feel like they might be valuable, but they're the people that you hired. So now what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Like if you're not willing to address those conversations and to be flexible and to adjust a bit, you're going to create what you just talked about, that whole gotcha culture. I'm telling you right now, like I went through a season in my life to where the only thing that I knew how to do was play guitar and write songs on a piano. And I got put into a position in which now I was expected to be an organizational leader. And I had all these unknowns that I had to discover about being an executive pastor and executive leader in a really large organization. So the church was about 3,000 multiple sites. And so now I have 1,000 people in my leadership pipeline that I developed. And I had all these things and I'm sitting here going, okay, I feel like I'm living in gotcha culture every single day because the only thing that I really know how to do that I've been doing for my whole life is playing piano, playing keyboards and guitar and writing songs. But Mm. now the game has changed. And so how do I adapt? That's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It is. Last question I want to ask you, and then we'll get into Enon rapid fire questions. When a leader is wanting to initiate a culture change. So listen to this and they're saying, yep. I want to, I was asking this to another podcast guest, because I really think that it's an interesting answer to come at it from so many different angles. And that is changing the culture. Either we're good and we want to be great, or you know what, this sucks. And I'm ready to turn this ship around. I'm ready to do the heavy lifting that it takes to make this business and the culture and the environment in which we operate what I want it to be. What are a couple of things that you would recommend that we do? Because that's not easy. Well, it's not. It's incredibly hard. But if you haven't identified your values, and if you haven't identified a clear internal staff values and staff behaviors, operational culture, then they really don't truly exist. There's a difference between aspirational values and your real values. And as a leader, it's your job to be able to feel the tension between the two. Okay, where am I at today versus where I want to be? So it's almost like you're going to be pulled to the magnet of an aspirational value system because as a leader, you should always want to be better. You should always want to build something that is better. I remember I found myself sitting in a boardroom and I'd been coaching this organization for a while and they had started writing out some of their values and they threw a curveball at me. It just caught me off guard. But I'm sitting in this really, really nice posh boardroom, massive table, big white walls all the way around. And they decided that they're going to go and take and they're going to take their values and they're going to 
across the top of the room in big, bold black letters, they were going to state their values. So the people that were in this room making these decisions, that they were going to know the values and the lens of which they were going to look through to make every decision moving forward. Thought, man, this is a great idea. Like they really did. Why not? Chick-fil-A has it on their walls when you go sit in their restaurants. It's like, so why not? Well, one of the values stuck out to me and this value said, this is not my job is something we will never say. And I thought to myself, as I'm looking at that, going, is this aspirational or is this real? Is this like truly something that's happening on this team? Well, the reality was this, is that somewhere, someplace, some team member told that senior leader that picking up trash in the parking lot or picking up trash in the hallway or mentoring another employee or developing an SAAS type system for whatever it is that they're working on. Somebody told that senior leader that they weren't going to do it. And so that senior leader decide, we're going to put an aspirational value into our system that says this. And so when you're working on just developing change, again, the idea of mass plus content, get everybody onto the same page, make sure that they know the why. Always Simon Sinek says start with why. But again, it's really what is your motivations as far as being a transparent leader? Why are our values the way they are? Making sure that everybody's on the same page. And then repeat, 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 whatever it is, develop your communication cadence as much as you possibly can and making sure that your team members are your echoes. These things are, it takes a while to get there, but the only way really that you can get to a place where you start to shift your culture, if something's bad, is making sure that the leaders are in alignment. How are you doing that? Yeah. You know, have you actually been intentional about that? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, your core values is who you are today and who you really are versus that's fine to have some things that you aspire to in the business. I agree because you're wanting to improve. And so if that is something that they want, that's totally fine, but it's not a core value, right? It is an aspirational value. Love that. That's great. All right, Michael, people want to reach out to you, see how you can help them and their teams. Where would you point them to? Uh, you can follow me on social. At, find me on, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Michael King, or find me on my website, teams.coach as well. So feel free to reach out to me there. Now, I do give out my personal cell number just because I want to be that leader that's approachable. So I want people to know that they can just text me if they have one simple leadership question they, if, or if they want to hop on a call with me, they can do that. But my cell phone number is area code 763-245-4984. Awesome. Love that. That's great. That's very giving. All right. We'll make sure we'll put those in the show notes so that people can reach out to you, Michael. This has been great. All right, here we go. E9 rapid fire questions. You ready? Go for it. Last book that you read. Last book I read, Atomic Habits. Yep. That's a good one. The book you recommend the most to other leaders. In this space, if you haven't yep. read Good to Great, you need to reread it. Yes, yeah, no doubt. That's a classic. And if you have read it, you probably need to reread it anyway. So who is your favorite follower, mentor, et cetera? My favorite mentor, I would say is, man, that's really, really hard. I keep on wanting to go back and say my dad is my first hero. And then I want to say the secondary is that I have some senior leaders that came around me over the last five, six years that have just been absolutely influential. So one of them, his name is Ron Hampton. He's with the University of Nebraska. He's just absolutely amazing. And then family support systems. Yeah, awesome. All right. And also I'd say my executive coach, he would kill me if I didn't say, like, I ascribe to this, like I have an executive coach that's a rock star. He's amazing. So my executive coach too. Never trust a coach who doesn't have a coach. I totally believe that. All right. You can be on a 10 hour flight with anyone dead or alive. Who would it be? Simon Sinek. Yeah, that's awesome. He's a good one. 
he'd be great to get on the podcast. If anybody has a connection with Simon Sinek, we'd love to have him come on the podcast. All right. When you're not working, what do you love to do? I love playing music. I have a motorcycle that I love riding. And then I have two very, very large dogs. So my St. Bernard, his name is Benedict, and my St. Berdoodle, which I believe was a COVID response, by the way. way. So his name's Winston. So, and I have three amazing kids. So we have a full tribe there. Love that. Favorite quote? Favorite quote. I think I probably mentioned to you earlier on too. So whoever tells the story best wins the culture. Yeah, love that. Favorite tech tool or app that you use every day? I'm going to say with a little bit of a shameless plug, it's the teams.coach app, which is the ones that we, the one that we developed and I love it. And the reason why I love it is because again, it's something where there's daily cadences and daily nudges for personal improvement and also just personal growth that we've built into resources there as well. That's really awesome. I love that. What did you learn the most about yourself or your business during the pandemic in the last couple of years? To be brave and to just kind of trust that the doors that are supposed to open are going to open and to not get distracted on things that aren't your thing. Like I, I shared a little bit about that more mentality. It's really, really easy to get distracted and to start chasing things that aren't meant for you. So know yourself, have clear boundaries and make sure you're chasing the things that are meant for you. What's the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? I don't know if I can give you like an exact specific piece of leadership advice that I've been given except for more of the big ideas of that leading yourself is literally the hardest thing to do and everything stems from that. And so making sure that like me personally investing in my own personal growth and celebrating my own personal wins and making sure that I have, for example, how this plays out for me is that I learned that the five loudest voices in my life are the most influential ones, but I don't necessarily have to allow those things to be just by osmosis, just by organic nature. I can actually program those five leaders to be around my life and the things that are most important to me. So I've really taken that into practice this past year. I love that. If there is one theme of this podcast, I hope people pick up something that I've been thinking about quite a bit. It is exactly what you just said. And that is to help business owners and leaders to work harder on themselves than anything else so that they can go on and contribute because their growth leads to contribution to other people. And I think that's the theme of this podcast, growth to contribution. Michael, it's been great having you on. Hope to have you back on in the future. I would love that. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that conversation with Michael. There are a few things that always stand out. Like I always try to say, what did I love and what did I learn? One thing he mentioned at the very end, his favorite quote he mentioned at the very beginning is the best stories are the best teams. And he was referring to, obviously, kind of the Don Miller building a story brand about being the hero and the guide. And I totally agree with him around the best teams have the best stories. I think also just his understanding around like feedback mechanisms. And we kind of talked about that and looked at it two different ways, both feedback from you as a leader, giving feedback to your team, but also how do we receive feedback well from our team members? Certainly love the team's methodology, target, engagement, action, momentum, and synergy. And the thing about, I think I've learned over the last several years, more than I did years ago, was some of the soft skills stuff. And so I've tried to lean more into it because I don't know about you, but maybe I had the tendency to want to lean more towards hard skills, strategy, tactics, numbers, 
percentages, et cetera. I, I can't be the only one. And I think it's sometimes it's in this softer skill and the blend of the softer skills and the harder skills. And look, you need to have the harder skills for sure. How do you measure numbers like with your financials using club capital? How do you look at your marketing ROI? Those things matter. Absolutely. And those are skills you can develop. But so is the emotional intelligence aspect of it. And to only look at it from the hard skill perspective, I think we're missing a lot. And I know I was because I felt like I was doing all the right things, checking all the right boxes, but it lacked, uh, how can I say, humanity. It just lacked the humanity aspect of it, which is critical. Make sure you go to his website, which is teams.coach, which is a great website, by the way, teams.coach. Reach out to them, see how they can help you as you develop with your team and develop yourself. Because I love what Michael said. If you work hard on yourself, then you can give more to other people. Hope to have Michael back on in the future. I was talking to Tim with Direct Clicks the other day. He had shared a couple of examples. I try to share some of these testimonials and case studies with you. And he was sharing with me that he was working with someone that had tried different companies over the years, but some of the companies he worked with had not really dove deeply into the insurance agency space. But that's exactly what you get with Direct Clicks. In fact, he said, when you talk about investing in something that delivers results, direct clicks has really come through. When dealing with other companies that handle AdWords, I wouldn't want to waste my time with someone that doesn't understand how I and my business work. And I think that's so true. So if you're an insurance agency owner, reach out to the team at direct clicks, Matt, Maddie Jones, and Tim and the entire leadership team, but the entire team are just incredible people that want to help you get results. They are known by the results that they are getting for clients. That's why their retention rate is so incredibly high. Go to directclicksinc.com. You know, I was just mentioning about those hard skills that you need to have, but sometimes it can be intimidating, right? You maybe didn't grow up or have somebody to kind of walk you through how do you understand financials? And I don't know the difference in an income statement and balance sheet. And many of you may know all of those things. But even if you're like myself, I grew up in a small business family with my dad, but I did not know those skills. My dad did not teach me those things. I had to learn. It took me several years of owning my business before I really got to understand it. Well, that is where Club Capital can really come in, whether you're early in your career, middle of your career, or late in your career, they can really help you to be able to understand, have clean financials, compare them to your peers so you can make better decisions in your business and make sure you check out and ask them about their new CFO services they just rolled out. Go to club.capital. I was chatting with David Peterson the other day and he, at the time of this recording, is getting ready to go to Birmingham and Atlanta on kind of a road show. And they're probably going to be massively sold out him and several other people who we've had incredible guests that we've had on the podcast. I think it's the five insurance guys. They're on their way on a little bit of a roadshow. And David was telling me just some of the results that he's gotten from some of his clients that have been with him over time. And they just love the continuous investment that their team members are able to get twice a week. You know, Tuesdays and Thursdays right now, it goes really quickly. And that cadence, Michael was just talking about cadence. Well, that's exactly what you're going to get whenever you work with David Peterson and Coach P. Go to coachpconsulting.com. After the podcast with Michael was over, he and I were talking about just kind of standing out. You know, there's a lot of coaches and consultants out there and just a lot of businesses in the same space. And so how do you stand out? And so Michael and I were talking about having strong philosophies, things that you believe in and principles, even if that means 
saying that hey, you don't agree with Donald Miller's book, Business Made Simple, as just an example. And I think Michael, obviously, with his team's methodology, really stands out. Well, if you want to stand out in your marketplace, whether you're an insurance agency owner or a just a small business owner of any kind, you know you want to be able to have some high quality material that you can give to your clients, give to your prospects to show them that you care and things that they're going to remember, not just things that they want to bag and they don't use, right? You want to stand out. That's where you need to work with a partner that understands you and your business can give you some personalized service. Go to relevantadvantage.com. So appreciate all of our sponsors. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to have incredible guests and show up every single week in your earbuds. All right, everyone, will you do me a favor? We share this with one person. And if you haven't, we rate and review the podcast on Apple or on Spotify. Spotify recently came out with a rating system. So I would really greatly appreciate a five-star. And if there's somebody that you would love to have come on the podcast, please send me a message, reach out to me on social media. You can find my email. It's bradley at club.capital. Let me know who you would love for me to try to have on the podcast. So I'm always scanning and sourcing for really great people that are going to be able to help you grow because we care about this 45 minutes to an hour that we spend in your ear every single week. I want to give you great content. Until next episode, everyone, lead well. Mm-hmm.